you know, you'll hear different cricketers talk about um, in their pre-ball routine, physically, the things that they do, you know, so everybody's got a different physical thing, whether it's putting on and on the glove, off the gloves, whether it's scratching center before every single ball. Um, there's a physical component. What's actually, and that's very individual. And what's more important is the mental component that comes out. What are you actually doing at that point in time? Welcome to Under the Lid, a podcast where we discuss skill development, mental skills, performance, and coaching. I'm Tom Scolle, and I'm the founder of Cricket Mentoring. And my co-hosts are former Australian test cricketer, now professional coach Chris Bucky Rogers, and Charlie Burke, who has previously been the director of cricket and head coach of Hong Kong, and a coach and talent specialist for Queensland cricket. The three of us are great mates and regularly talk and share ideas about what we're learning to continue to better ourselves. This podcast aims to give you an insight into some of the conversations we have, and hopefully answer some questions and issues that we're continually seeing or hearing. So, let's get under the lid. G'day legends and welcome to another episode of Under the Lid with Skulls, Buck and Berkey. This is part two of our three-part series with Cricket Australia sports psychologist Peter Clark. If you haven't already listened to part one, then I highly recommend you go back and check that out as Peter shared so many great insights into what sports psychology is, how we can all understand our thoughts and emotions and learn to manage them to help us perform at our best more consistently. This episode is packed with more great advice, so that's enough from me. Let's get into it. There's some excellent theory here, like we've, we've been talking about, you know, some of the ways you go about it and um, some of the, 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 the tips and tricks. I'm just going to throw a couple of examples at you and just, just want to see what, what you have to say because, you know, we, we listen to what the, the young, young players are, are thinking about. So one of the concepts that comes up is what happens when you keep getting out to the same bowler? Like you play a, a team the same time, same you know, the same side three or four times a year and you, and you get out to the same bowler. How do you start to deal uh, with that issue when, you, when you're starting to focus on that bowler too much? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Like being a bunny, being someone's bunny. We've all been there. We've all been there before. Um, I think there's a couple of things that I question though, but in any sport, but let, let's think of cricket. It could actually be something that's a cricket-specific thing. It could be technical. Say this bowler swings the ball away from you and you've got a massive flaw, you know, against out swingers and he's a really accurate out swing bowler. Uh, that's why he keeps getting you. Know, okay, that's a cricket thing. That's a technical thing for you or maybe a, a decision-making thing with cricket. So the first thing to identify is I think sometimes too quickly we jump to I've got a mental problem. It might actually be technical. Um, and if that's the case, that's where you need to spend your energy. Um, so maybe at some point in time the mental, you know, comes into that because someone's got your measure. But if the root problem is technical, well, then you need to sort that out. Uh, if the root problem is, is game awareness from a cricket perspective, not that you're so nervous, you just don't understand what they're trying to do in the game, well, then you need to sort that out. So you need to get to the root of what is the issue of why I'm this person's bunny. Now, if you don't have a technical flaw, it's not you don't understand the game, but you're just brain fading because of, of nerves or pressure, or you're playing the game before you get there, okay, then that's something that you'd work into the space of going, am I playing the man and not playing the ball? Or, or the woman and not playing the ball, depending on um, what, what sport, I'm sorry, what gender you are. Those are the questions that you need to, to ask yourself. And if the answer to that question is yes, like I'm playing a game before I get there, well, then it's bringing it back to what do I actually want to focus on when I'm out there? I might feel like this person's bunny and I might be nervous, but there's a task to be done when I'm out there. That's actually the bottom line. When I go there, do I focus on what I need to actually do? So again, it's just making sure your focus is clear on what you're trying to do. You don't play the game before you get there. What oh, is this person's bunny? 
It's more about what is it, bring it back to cricket, bring it back to a specific focus, and that's where your focus should be. Because when you become someone's bunny, so to speak, what happens, we all know it, that you stop playing the ball and you start playing the person bowling the ball at you. So you shoot yourself in the foot instead of bringing your focus back to a clear game plan, plan and what you're trying to execute. Yeah, one of the, the issues about that is, is the task is actually to play the ball, isn't it? So you, you're not playing the man. It's always like the, as soon as that, that bowler lets the ball go, he's no longer in the contest, really. So it's just you focusing on, on how do you play that ball, which is an interesting concept because, as you said, we've, we've all been there. We've all felt like you know, that it's, it's more worried about the, the bowler than actually the ball he lets go. What about playing and missing or, or getting dropped and, and how you react to that? So that's, I mean, you guys be well uh, versed in the concept of, of mindfulness, you know, at the moment, which is, is a massive buzzword in cricket. But at the root of it, it's really about a clear present moment focus, right? And being able to concentrate. Again, all these words in different eras have been really popular. Concentration used to be the key thing. Then it was focus. Then it was like flow. Then it's mindfulness. And all of them are similar. They're interrelated concepts. Um, mindfulness talks about the ability to have awareness of where your mind or your body's at at any one point in time. But then being able to come back to the present moment. So all those are things that I get dropped or I play a miss. That ball is now gone. Um, but that doesn't mean it's, it's not important, right? I might have played a miss because I played a really, a really poor shot. Um, or the bowlers showed me an outswing that I didn't know he had. So what's an important part of that process is, is reflection. I do need to reflect on what happened, but then I need to let that go. Um, and then once I've reflected on that, you know, you've, you've heard a principle, you know, Lloyd used it in at Cricket Australia, uh, Michael Lloyd, who's the lead site there, the, the, the three R's. Um, I, sometimes I put in a fourth R, so reflect. So, you know, you reflect after something's happened. Um, there's also a recovery period where you're going to, you know, that's done. I've reflected on what's gone. I need to recover um, and relax and then, and then refocus. So that's, that's a process or a routine you can always be going through. And I'll give you a quick example from the player miss. So let's say I'm focused. I do get my process right. They deliver a ball. It nips away off the seam. Very quickly, I'm going to reflect on that. Now, played the line well. Was in the right position. That just nipped away. You know, I don't need to change anything. My reflection is done. Um, and then I'm going to step away from that and relax. Now, this is the problem. If I don't step away and relax, for example, and I just continue to dwell on the fact I got beat, I got beat, I got beat, and I take my guard again, and when he delivers the ball at the top, all I'm thinking about is the fact I got beaten. I'm not focusing on the next ball. So, you know, reflect, then relax uh, and recover. Then I'm going to come back to the crease. Once I've come back to the crease, I want to have let go of that pass ball. And I want to refocus. Um, and that's where you'll see the players doing their little routines. You know, Warner taking his gloves off at different points in times. Smith doing his fidgeting in the refocus stage. Um, you know, tennis, Rafael Nadal pulling out his wedgie, you know, touching both his shoulders, flicking his nose. Once they're doing that, they're in their, into their refocus phase and planning for the next point or the next ball um, as it comes down. So it's about developing a routine that allows you to go through those steps. Pete, that's fascinating because in our last episode, I actually shared... This, my three R's. I've never heard Michael Lloyd talk about that before. But over the, last, over the last 18 months or two years, Buck and I have been speaking extensively about mental skills and, and mindset. And we spoke about, for a while, we were speaking about post-ball, in-between moments and pre-ball. And then I sort of, one day I was coaching a, um, someone in the last few months and I came up with reflect or review. And then you use whatever word works for you, relax and then reset or refocus. And that's the, that's, and so I've never heard that elsewhere. So that's fascinating. That's what, what he's doing because I think 
there's so much power in having those those three steps. I suppose leading on from that, what do you advise or, or, or coach the players you work with around their pre-ball mindset or their, their, their refocus stage? Buck and I and, and Berkey spoke in one of our recent episodes about where your focus should be as the bowler's running in. How do you coach your athletes? Um, with, is, do they use keywords? What do you do with those sort of guys? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And this is where I'll throw it and say it's really individual. What we know applies to everyone is the process. Everybody's got to go through some of those stages at some point in time. And it's a great point that you, that you just in your own thinking and understanding the game have come up with a very similar model. Well, that shows that it's practical and apply, right? And it, and, it, and it works. So someone who's got a background in sight and then someone who doesn't but is applied in the field can both come together and have a very similar, without talking to each other, process. But that, that probably means it's a pretty robust process and it's applicable. So that, that's a great starting point. But in terms of individually what people use at each stage, that's completely different. You know, you'll hear different cricketers talk about um, in their pre-ball routine, physically, the things that they do, you know, so everybody's got a different physical thing, whether it's putting on and on the glove, off the gloves, whether it's scratching center before every single ball. Um, there's a physical component. What's actually, and that's very individual. And what's more important is the mental component that comes out. What are you actually doing at that point in time? Um, so, you know, some people love cute words. Some people stand up at the top of your mountain, you know, it's head still, watch the ball, or someone will say loose and free. Cute words are something that you can use. You know, you can actually physically say them, or it can be just something you think in your head. Um, you know, physical stuff is something you can do to pair with that, that psychological motion. But what's more, most important is that what you want to do in your pre-ball routine is get your focus to where it wants to be. So whatever gets your focus to the position, the mindset, the ball that you want to come down, that is a cue that you would use. Some people visualize it in between balls. Some people use a cue word as they're at the top of their mark. Someone might just take a deep breath because what's most important to them is getting their physiological state right. Um, so whatever those things may be, the point is you have something to help you reset and they can all be individual. Excellent, mate. It's just so interesting hearing, you know, that the, the way you talk about uh, some of these issues and we're... And Skulls and I and, and Berkey have, have, have crossed some of these these issues before, so it's good to have that variety as well. Just with that that playing and missing, you, you you said something interesting for me was you said, oh, you know, imagine you you, you played the line, you got beaten, you go, oh, I didn't do anything wrong, but what happens if you know you, you played a poor shot? You, you were telling yourself to defend, and all of a sudden you swung at a wide one, and you 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 played a poor shot, and next thing you know you. You played missed a few maybe in a row, and your heart rate is is, is um, spiking, and and you're getting really nervous. Like, how do you? Is there is there something that you think you could do to to kind of slow everything down? Yeah, for sure, and that's a great point. There's a you know, it's one thing for it to be theoretical, but then we've all been in positions where out there, and it's just not going well for an extended period of time. You know, you're hitting the ball like a dog, or you played three or four poor shots, you got stuff on your mind. So how do you kind of break that cycle? Uh, but you get fledged. That's well, yeah, the other one. Stage and it's getting into your getting into your head. For sure, those are all relative. There's, there's a couple of things there. One, you actually do need the ability to tolerate some kind of distress. So again, I'm not trying to pretend that using your routines or having a really clear plan, that if you do that, you won't have nerves. You'll still have them. When the game's tight, you'll have some nerves at different times. Sometimes people sledge you and somebody might sledge you and say, man, you know, you're on your last legs. You fail again. You're not getting a contract. And it might be true. <laughs> so... You need to be able to have some kind of level of being able to tolerate this stress. Yeah. I will get nervous during my innings. And you have a plan for that beforehand. It's like, I need to understand that sometimes I'm going to feel nervous. I'm going to feel anxious. I'm not going to feel in a perfect state. And then other days you might feel really flat out in the middle. 
Like you just don't feel like being there, you know, whatever's going on for you. It's, you're playing a crap team, a meaningless game, whatever. But a great performance, find a way to c- perform consistently, high pressure, low pressure, whatever it may be. Um, so in those circumstances, you just search for what you need. So one, you should be prepared to tolerate a level of distress and understand that that's going to happen. Um, two, I would search for, for example, if I thought my thinking was off, I would look for something really clear and simple to think about. So if someone sledged you and know that's what's on your mind, you know, as you step away, that's really might use your cue word, Clarky. All you got to do is watch the ball. You know, you talk to yourself, you say whatever it is. Maybe it's something, um, it's more of a self-belief issue. You know, if it's a self-belief issue, you might have something that really gets you right up. You might, you know, sing I had a tiger to yourself from Rocky. That might be something you have in your head because it gives you a feeling of kind of, you know, of achievement or strength or solidarity. But one of the most important things you can do manage your breathing, your physiological response of breathing. What we know is when you get worked up, when you have high anxiety, our breath gets short, it gets tight in your chest. Eventually, if anxiety is really high um, or the part of your brain that manages fear and anxiety and emotion is overworked, then you can't access the part of your brain, prefrontal cortex, neocortex, where your decisions are made. That's hard to access and make good decisions. One of the things you can do to bring down that nervous response is take control of your breathing. Slow down the tempo of the game if you need to. You know, make them take some extra time in between balls and get your breathing under control before you come back. That's one of the things you can do to help quiet that response. I just want to take a quick break to let you know about our brand new online program that we've just released at Cricket Mentoring. Behind the Grill with Josh Philippi is an amazing insight into one of the most exciting young cricketers in the world right now. If you've ever wanted to get inside the mind and game of an elite player to see how they go about things, then this is your opportunity. Philippi has been tipped by Shane Warne and Steve Smith as the next big thing in Australian cricket. And in this seven-part video series, he shares everything about his game, including his technique, game plans, mindset, preparation, and a whole lot more. Head to cricketmentoring.com and click on the online programs tab in the menu to purchase this program and start learning how the best in the world go about their game. Now back to this episode. Yes, the the breathing is so important, isn't it? And it's something you don't think about too much until you're right in it and, and... you actually notice what, what you know, you're, you're searching for breath and you're struggling. But I just want to take you back to point two there where you, where you said about um, self-talk. It was a really interesting, I was, I was doing some research and I actually found an article on Misbah, the Pakistan legend. And he, he imagined that uh, himself, like a, a version of himself, would come and stand in front of him when he was out batting and give him a, a pep talk. When he yeah. was when he was struggling, and I just I, I never did it myself, but I think that that's awesome. You know, imagine if you you got a chance to actually give yourself advice when the the heat is on. You know, you would be saying things like, you know, just calm down. It's, it's okay. It's going to be fine. You know, breathe. Get yourself through this. Um, it's okay to play and miss all those kind of things that you wish you could tell yourself, but you because you're so caught up in the moment. So yeah, um, I, I love that thought. Uh, Skulls, you had a thought? Yeah, Pete, I understand the power of breathing. I think it's so um, important for athletes and young athletes to sort of really be aware of it. Do you try and, if you're working, say you're working in a program up in Brisbane and you've got an athlete that you see regularly and you're trying to develop their mental skills, is that something you practice with them? Do you get them to do a guided meditation where they focus on their breath? Or what are some ways young athletes can train their awareness, first of all, of their breath, and then their actual, their breathing? Yeah, great question in terms of the practical application. That, that really depends on who the, who the person is or the athlete is. Sometimes just a conversation around it uh, and the education is enough. Like sometimes the person's like, oh, that is true. Like, 
and they'll go off and, and work it out for themselves. Some people, or, or sometimes particularly at an introductory stage, it is important to teach people how to breathe, do controlled diaphragmatic breathing. That's something I learned when I was part of, um, I used to work, well, did some provisional work at Brisbane Pain and Rehabilitation Center when I was doing my master's. And one of the things, they have chronic pain patients. Some people experience like pain, that's like eight out of 10 pain for them every day. And it just, the dots can't stop it. It's just like nerve pain, whatever it may be. And one of the things they do to kind of keep themselves at bay or level of calmness is controlled diaphragmatic breathing. So, you know, using your diaphragm breathing in, basically filling up your whole stomach and diaphragm with air and then your chest versus just breathing from your chest. And it's actually a skill that you can learn to improve upon. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it is worth taking people aside, teaching them to um, breathe deeply and diaphragmatically. And then, as you said, to notice it. And that's where you have mindful breathing. I'm sure you've heard of mindful breathing. That's where you actually just have mindfulness sessions based on your breathing. So you can start to be aware of what your breathing is like when you can. I've done, I've done a mindfulness breathing session where yeah, everyone to lie down, you know, pay attention to their breath, notice their breath, get their heart rate down, and then when they're over the eyes closed, they have no idea. I'll pop a balloon, um, you know, and boom, it sounds like a gunshot. Everybody's heart rates up. Notice that, you know, just get them to notice what it's like when it spikes. Okay, try and get it back down and notice how long it takes you. What do you do to get it back down? So you can do different things to bring their awareness to their breath so they understand, ah, when I'm nervous, my breathing gets like this. When I'm calm, my breathing gets like this, and I know how to manipulate that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's such a, a practical way. I love, I'm just visualizing that that um, experiment or that sort of practice. That, that would be quite funny, I think, as well. Um, you can, and someone who comes to mind is Chris, Chris Green, who stands at the top of his mark and before every ball, he takes a deep breath. And I know that I went through a little period where on game day, when we started warm-up, I would just focus for about five minutes during while everyone's running around and I'm moving as well. I'm just focusing on taking deep breaths and it, it really it really did calm me down. Um, have you done anything like that, Buck? Did you ever sort of focus on breathing throughout your career? Uh, mine was slightly different. I, I was more conscious of my heart rate. I, I was always trying to slow everything down. It, it's interesting because everyone's different so for instance you'd get in the as an opening batsman in the change room before you're about to go out and, and a lot of times people put music on that's like it's quite fast and, and all, i would kind of start to get a little bit anxious because i think my, my heart rate was kind of almost mimicking that the beat so I, I then wanted to slow everything down you know whether put on kind of cold play or snow patrol or something just to slow me down but everyone's different i know michael clark used to have a, a, a can of red bull before Whereas Dean Jones um, used to say no sugar before going out. I, I had no coffee before I was going to bat because just, I just didn't want any stimulant kind of thing. But they're things for, for people to, to work out, I reckon. Just we've, we've spoken about a couple of in particular issues, Pete, but what about one of the things I, uh, I think Tom and I have, have seen a little bit is how players have, have struggled to deal with the pressure that's come from influences around them, whether it be their parents their friends, their teammates, or even their coaches, you know, like you'd probably see that a bit and, and how and how stressful those situations are. How have you, what are some of maybe the experiences you've had with that? Firstly, that's a great recognition to, to point out or to bring up uh, and it draws on a larger point that nothing exists in a vacuum, you know, and, and that's why I don't want to do a disservice to what changing or, or improving or developing the mental side again. It doesn't stand alone. It's not like this thing that you do by yourself. You live a life, right? You have family, you have friends, you have coaches, you have a life outside of cricket. 
and everything is interrelated. So who you are as a person will manifest in how you want to build your own mental game, how you, your default reactions to things, um, the way that you react under pressure versus someone else, all those things matter. So you just highlighted a great point is it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And then there's things, there's factors like a coach, like your family, like your, like your parents, like your teammates that will influence your performance. Uh, and sometimes that can be really helpful. You know, coaches can be a great ally and mentor. So can your teammates, so can your parents or family. Well, sometimes uh, it can have a detrimental effect. For example, as you, you just talked about pressure. Like sometimes you'll have a parent putting pressure on a kid to make a certain team or forcing them to do competing tournaments and carnivals or whatever, and they just want to play and have fun. That is a realistic thing that happens. Uh, or you have a coach who, in terms of the way they interact, they really berate their players after a poor performance and people are scared to go and, to go and play. Uh, those things happen, and on, on the flip side, they happen in a really positive direction as well. Um, in terms of advice on how to deal with that, again, there would be no one blanket thing I could say. That's different depending on what situation you're in, you know, how you're reacting to that situation. But I think what's really important is that you have a really clear understanding of what your own values are, right? Your own values as a human being and also as a performer, and those are the things you need to make sure you satisfy. So sometimes you're going to have a coach who doesn't hit those values. And that's going to be difficult for you. You know, you might really believe in putting your arm around someone's shoulder, give them a tap on the bum. That's the way you like to deal with when someone's down. And you might have a coach who doesn't do that. So what you're going to need to understand is what you need. And if, they, if it's not getting met by that coach, you need to get it met somewhere else. Right? So is there a different relationship in your life where you can meet that need? Um, you know, if you're frustrated with what's coming on in one place, can you get it met somewhere else? And that's a very individual Thing. In terms of dealing with, dealing with other people's expectations, it's, I'm not saying there's an easy answer to it, but what's actually most important is that you satisfy your own expectations. And sometimes you need to push a boundary and tell a person like, look, I think you're putting a bit of extra pressure on me here, or I don't really appreciate the way that you approach this situation. It doesn't really help me. If you're in a position to do so, I know you're not always in a position to do so. So if you can, you do it. If you can't, just be really clear on your own expectations or values. Make sure you're getting those met. And then sometimes you have to just deal with, deal with an unpleasant cir um, circumstance. And the way I would give that analogy is like, I only say to players that come saying, oh, I got a bad coach, or I got this, or I got that. I'd be like, mate, not every time you go to bat, do you get to bat on a flat wicket. If you can only score rounds on a flat wicket, you're not a very good batter. If you can only work with one type of coach, then what does that say for your uh, ability or adaptability as a player? Um, sometimes you got to bat on a green one. You know, sometimes you got a ball on a flatty. So just recognize if it's a flatty. In terms of that, that scenario, I'll recognize if it's a green top in that scenario. And again, adapt and do what you need to do to satisfy your own expectations and values. Well, legends, there's another epic conversation with Cricket Australia psychologist Peter Clark. As I said at the start, if you haven't already listened to part one with Peter, then I highly recommend you go back and check that out as there were so many great learnings from that episode. I absolutely love this conversation with Peter and learned a lot and hope you're enjoying it as well. Here's the five key things that I took out of this episode. One, if you ever find yourself in a position where an opponent has your measure, then you often stop playing the ball and start playing the person. To overcome this, you need to focus back to a clear game plan and what you're trying to execute. Two, mindfulness is the ability to have awareness of where your mind and body is at, at any one point in time, but then be able to come back to the present moment. If you've played a missed or made a mistake, you need to reflect, then let it go. The concept of three R's, Reflect, relax, refocus that we spoke about in the last episode. If you don't step away and relax and instead continue to dwell on the fact that you've got beaten, you may take guard and all you're thinking about is the fact that you got beaten. You're then not focusing on the next ball and you're therefore far more likely to make a mistake. Three, 
The best cricketers and other athletes use routines to go through the three R's and especially to refocus. I love how Clark shared examples of Warner undoing and doing up his gloves, Smith fidgeting and Nadal doing his hair as practical examples of this. Four, every player has a different physical thing they do, gloves on and off, scratching center, etc. What's more important is the mental component. What are you focusing on at that point in time? And five, you need the ability to tolerate some kind of stress. Using your routines or having a clear plan doesn't mean you're not going to feel nerves in the big moments. Sometimes you're gonna feel nervous or anxious and that's okay. One of the most important things you can do in big moments is to manage your breathing. When you get worked up or you have a high state of anxiety, your breath gets short and you get tight in the chest. So having the ability to manage your breathing will help keep you calm and keep you focused on the present moment. What are the main things you took out of this episode? While understanding the theory is great, more importantly, how can you start to implement some of those ideas into your cricket and life? I hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for the final part of this three-part series with Peter Clark to be published very soon. If you enjoyed it, we'd absolutely love it if you can share it with some friends or teammates or whoever you think might also enjoy it. Share it in a WhatsApp group, on Facebook, your Instagram story, or just send someone the link. We want this podcast to give as much value as it can, so we'd love to hear your feedback. What did you find interesting or learn from this show? We also want to hear what topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. So send me a message via the Cricket Mentoring social media channels and we'll start shouting out the people who suggested the topics we're discussing. We look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Until then, stay safe, work hard, and always try to learn and be better than you were yesterday. And most importantly, smile and enjoy the process. Shop boy! Talk soon, legends.